Oh, I didn't get a countdown, but I now I have a count up. So that's good. Oh, I got a countdown. <laughs> like from three. <laughs> well, hey, Bill. It's so fun to be back in the studio with you again this month. Yes, Carla. It is so good be talking. I'm so excited about this episode. Oh my gosh. Well, it's funny because we decided that we were going to pick every other one. So this is your pick. I'm excited to sort of go down the road with you on why you picked this particular episode, um, why you picked The Karate Kid, because it isn't really a traditional school movie, but there's a lot of teaching and learning in it. So it's really yeah. fun, sort of a little bit of a reframe on school. No, absolutely. And, and that's what I think this, you know, this coming school year has made me kind of rethink what school is, right? It doesn't have to be four walls on a certain campus. Uh, like if we've learned nothing else, it's that you can kind mm -hmm. of learn anywhere from anyone, you know, and, and big picture, like that's so much why I love educational technology is that it breaks you out of the four walls of a classroom. And so as I was just thinking about like, movies that talk about schools just like karate kid is like top of that list because i think really at the heart of it you get that mentorship right like you have the master and the apprentice mm -hmm. and if you were to really boil down what teaching is i think it might come down to actually being that relationship however you want to frame it student learning from the master right yeah well yeah although it's it's interesting in this day and age with technology and and what's fun about this movie you, you gotta admit i mean it's so low tech right there's almost no tech in it because of course it's set in yeah. 1984 but um with technology i think we do sometimes see the student with as much or maybe sometimes even more knowledge than teachers do, especially around technology. Sure. And yet that actually puts more of an emphasis on teachers as guides and as mentors and as role models on sort of character and social emotional experiences and things like that Yeah. ever more than before. So of course, we're going to dive into all of this, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course we are. You know, that actually reminds me, before we start going kind of chronologically through the movie, I'm wearing my Q shirt, as you know, I'm a big fan of, of Q and the Q family. Their professional learning, the people that run PD in Q are called mm -hmm. lead learners, right? They're not teachers. Mm -hmm. They're not presenters. The the way they're branded is as lead learner. And so it it does. Like with technology, it no longer means I'm the one that knows the stuff and you know nothing. Right, it's no longer about the knowledge. It's about like I'm here to lead you in like this experience. I love that. In case people are just joining us for the first time, maybe we should remind them that they're listening to heads down, two thumbs up. Yes, we just always jump right in. I know, but we're here to talk about movies that talk about school because that's what we like to do. We are. Uh, that's what we're going to do today, and of course, we picked The Karate Kid as our choice for this month, and. I guess we should just go ahead and dive in and maybe do some of the plot summary and some of the basics. You want to kick us off? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so here's our plot summary. After leaving his hometown in New Jersey, the gangly teenager Daniel LaRusso arrives in sunny Los Angeles with his single mother, Lucille. Like a fish out of water, the shy newcomer will be up against the difficulty of fitting in. And on top of that, he will soon find himself being targeted in school by Johnny Lawrence's gang of local karate practicing bullies. 
under those circumstances and constantly picked on, that's a strange sentence, Daniel would turn to the building's inscrutable caretaker, an unexpected master martial arts mentor, Mr. Miyagi, who will agree to teach Daniel karate for the upcoming tournament. There's like two more sentences. Big breath. Keep going. Eventually, taken under Miyagi's wing, the apt pupil will learn a compassionate and more delicate form of karate. However, is the inexperienced Daniel a match for Brutal Johnny and Cobra Kai Dojo's lethal karate? Woo! (gasps) First of all, I love that first line, the gangly teenager, Daniel LaRusso. I mean, could Ralph Macchio be sort of younger looking and cuter than he is? And and he's actually 22 years old when he films this movie. I know. I know. I saw that. (laughs) Like, he's not even a teenager. (laughs) He looks like he's about 14 or 15 in the movie. He does. He does. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but he's perfect. You know, I think so many of these people are are defined by this movie. You know, Pat Morita so as Mr. Many. Miyagi, William Zabka as Johnny Lawrence, and and I don't know that he's ever been able to get out of this typecasting, right? Martin Cove as John Kreese, same thing. Like, you know, he's the sensei. I think the the only one out of really the the main stars is Elizabeth Shue as Allie, who clearly has had an extraordinary career. Yeah, she has. I think she's even won an Academy Award. All of these characters have just been sort of resurfaced in the last couple of years, too, with Cobra Kai, the Netflix series, and we will be talking about that later. But it's been so fun to come. It was so fun to go back and watch this movie. I hadn't watched it, even though I've watched all seasons of Cobra Kai and thought about the movie in retrospect. It was really fun to go back and watch it again, and then to almost have this sort of back story or, or front story, really, um, forward story of all the characters, which Cobra Kai is sort of this fan fiction and what's happened to the characters in the last 30 years and, and how their lives have played out. But it was really fun to sort of have that story as I watched Karate Kid again. <laughs> so first big question, does this hold up for you? What, 20, 30 years later? As a movie, it totally does. It was so good. It was so sweet. There are some rewinds that I will talk about later, things that didn't work for me. Um, okay. But overall, I think it did work for me as a movie. I, I had to put myself a little bit back into 1984 and think a little bit about what was going on in the world and what life was like. And in 1984, I was probably a seventh grader. So I can really picture the arcades and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. But I think it did hold up for me. I mean, it's it's a fantasy and it's, it is it is a comedy, right? At, sort of at the heart of it, which is why Cobra Kai is also so successful as a comedy. And so it doesn't have to be so totally believable. Um, And there's some parts that actually do rub me the wrong way on the believability scale, but it was fun. What about you? What what did you think? Yeah, no, I mean, I I think it absolutely holds up. Um, It's been one of those, you know, I I rewatched it every few years, Uh you know, so it's not been 20 years since I've seen this movie. Um, And I remember every time I watch it saying like, that was a surprisingly good movie. That was a surprisingly like funny movie, touching movie. <laughs> you know, it, it hits like I think a lot of what I like about movies. You know, it felt like really authentic. And for me, kind of the litmus test is always like, 
are you watching like a movie or are you watching kind of people? And so like, I, mm -hmm. I really see this as like watching people living their lives. And I actually get lost in the fact that these are actually actors shooting a movie. Like they feel like real people doing real things. Mm -hmm. um, there are definitely moments that, that definitely feel super dated um, <laughs> in some ways, just like, you know, the way they shot movies 30 years ago, kind of dated. And that will take me kind of out of it. But there are so many moments that just feel like deeply human and like, mm -hmm. in like, the most amazing way. So I think it totally holds up. I continue to be surprised by that. Yeah. And Pat Morita as Mr. Miyagi is really the, for me, the highlight of the movie. And he did get an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor. And I really do think without him, I don't know if this would have had the same resonance, but he's just so good. <laughs> he's so good. And what I didn't know, I, I did a little bit of research. Pat Morita was a stand-up comedian at the time. Oh, Right? Like he was not this, I almost want to say like Jedi master, you know, he's not like this amazing master karate sensei from Okinawa. He was a, a dude just like in Hollywood doing stand up with a very California accent. And it wasn't until, you know, they, they tried to, to book a handful of other people that finally, you know, he kind of rose up. And then as they were studying karate and getting trained from like the the martial arts kind of consultant, he actually picked up on a lot of the mannerisms, the mood, and definitely the broken English, right? That's not how he behaves. That's not how he sounds. That's just really good acting. And for so much, particularly as a kid, I just assumed that that's who he was and how he talked and how he behaved. Like, no, no, this is acting. That's not how he looks. Well, that's how he looks. So that's not how he carries himself. And that's not how he normally sounds. The cast is really good. I mean, they really make it. And William Zabka and um, Martin Crowe are so nasty and mean, almost in an exaggerated way, but it works really well in this. Yeah. The relationship between Daniel and, and Pat Morita and, and Mr. Miyagi is just so precious, right? It's just such a sweet thing. So um, that's why yeah. that's why it worked for me. Well, let's jump into the chronology of this. Yeah. I was yeah, yeah. shocked that the pace of this was not how I remembered it. And I've talked with friends about this before. You know, I think like past Bill, you know, when he was a kid, like it was mostly the karate tournament. Like that was maybe half the movie. And it was really just like <laughs> the last 10 minutes of the movie. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. and, the, and so like the whole timeline was way exaggerated in my memory, you know, and it starts off as they're leaving New Jersey, driving to Reseda, that intro scene with them traveling cross country was four minutes long. Like four minutes is a long time to do like we're traveling. Like they really wanted us to know this is a new journey. This is a new start for this yeah. family. Yeah, it's a distance. Going from yeah. New Jersey to California is a far distance, both physically, but also as we see really culturally. <laughs> and they take no time in the storyline to let us know this is not the California they were promised, right? Is that the pool? Let's go look at the pool. It's an empty, empty pool. pool. <laughs> not great, right? Immediately, there's a broken faucet. And this is actually where I'm reminded by um, one of Pixar's rules. They have maybe like a dozen rules for people that write movies at Pixar, and they've shared these out in various presentations. One of them is that coincidence is a great way to start a movie coincidence is not a good way to end a movie. And so I think this way of broken faucet, let's find the guy that fixes it, is a great coincidence. And it's like a great way to kick off their relationship. Daniel's like this, you know, 
semi-entitled teenager that's like, fix the thing, please. You know, and then we get Mr. Miyagi's kind of first quote. When are you going to fix the faucet? After. After what? After, after. <laughs> like, oh, boy. Yeah, but that is so consistent with Miyagi's whole personality, which is there will be time for everything. There, there's a time there. for everything. Slow it down, yeah. and it will all happen but you have to make space and time for it. So it's perfect. Yeah. It's a great character development. It's a great setup for both their characters. You know, Daniel is kind of the wanting everything right now as teenagers are. And Mr. Miyagi being the mentor who says, relax, slow down. <laughs> well, yeah. And then in my memory, I, I thought that beach party was much later and much longer, but it's almost immediately, you know, Hey Daniel, let's go to the beach party. And all of this, there, there's, by the way, some great resources. Um, we, we should tweet these out at some point. It's filmtothere.com. Oh, I, found I saw this that website. website. It walks you through <laughs> every location. And for years, I've actually had the, the um, apartment in Reseda bookmarked, saved in Google Maps. I'm like, one day, like when I'm driving down the 101, I'm going to stop over and, and like take a selfie in front of it. Uh, and I never have. And I thought it was like such a special thing that I found that location. And it turns out it's pretty easy to actually find all these locations, mostly because of this blog post from 2010. Uh, but the beach party was actually at Leo Carrillo State Beach, which I went to like in middle school a lot. So I was like, oh, okay. They go there a lot. Most of the, the beach scenes mm -hmm. are there. Mm -hmm. So, Well, I was going to say as a, as, a, as a Southern Californian, as a Los Angelino, I don't know, you must, you must really love the, the filming of this whole movie. Yeah, I mean, clearly like this location does not exist, but as I was looking at the locations along the movie, like I'd pause it and look and I was like, wow, golf and stuff is like an hour and a half drive uh. from where Daniel's apartment is. <laughs> wow, the beach is about two hours when they, you know, and it's not <laughs> like it's all meant to be, you know, within like 10 minutes. So yeah. you need to not get too hung up on the locations if you're following along with that. So we have the first fight. We have John and the dirt bike. One thing I thought was really curious about that whole scene, though, was, you know, these guys come in and they're so, you know, such good fighters. And I thought it was really sort of both sad and a little. This was one thing that didn't work for me. The friends who brought him there, like, ditched him so quickly. They were like, oh, he got beat up. Let's just like, what a loser. It felt a little contrived that it was like, hey, let's fight. This is a movie about karate. You know, they just, they move yeah. so quickly into that. There are a few moments where it just was kind of some clunky writing. You have to kind of suspend disbelief. Mm -hmm. um, although like, I immediately sided with Johnny more than I ever have. I think it might've been from watching Cobra Kai that, you know, like he really was led astray by his sensei, by his stepfather, you know, as we learn in Cobra Kai, not in this movie. He's had some really terrible male role models in his life. And he just got dumped by like the love of his life. It, but it does set the stage for Daniel's interest in karate and, and sure. the idea that, that karate is really a self-defense first. Uh, and that, yeah. that's something that you know, Miyagi's really focused on says, you know, this should always be a self-defense John Kreese is the exact opposite. So um, we learn a little bit about the differences in their teaching philosophy pretty quickly after this. But um, yeah. at the time, 
Daniel starts to think, I need to, I need to be able to defend myself against these folks. So he starts to get interested in karate. And it sounds like maybe he had had a little bit of karate back in New Jersey, but nothing real. And so then he gets here and he's like, okay, I'm going to have to get on this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I remember, you know, I think it's time for a quick little story here. Um, In my early twenties, like just before I got married, well before kids, um, I was giving guitar lessons and traded guitar lessons for karate lessons. Nice. So for about a full year, I was taking Shotokan karate lessons. Um, my good friend was also like a third degree black belt. His name's Dustin. Thank you, Sensei Dustin, for all <laughs> you've done with me. I was like, you know, we're doing these lessons, and I'm, you know, I'm in great shape, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Um, you know, with guitar, like it's really obvious how you'll use the guitar. I'd like to play a song. I'd like to write a song. I'd like to play with my friends. Right. But then karate, like, am I really gonna get like? attacked in an alley and if i am like really glad i know how to defend myself and people with me but kind of short of that like it seems exceedingly rare that you would ever need to defend yourself physically and then sure enough the next weekend i'm at my friend chris's wedding he had a friend and i still don't know this friend's name everyone referred to him as are we allowed to say that on this podcast? Is yeah, that okay? I think we can. That was his name. Yes. Like, I genuinely don't know his name, you know, almost 20 years later. So we're hanging out. I have, like, my new suit. I'm, like, out of college, have, like, a good suit, my first good suit. We're just hanging out. You know, I'm taking karate, like, five days a week. The bride, Christine, walks by, and she's like, hey, there's all kinds of cake. There's, like, 50 slices of cake on this table. I'm just hanging out. I have a drink in my right hand. Then out of nowhere, my left arm goes up, rising block. And I look up and I was like, what just, what did I just do? And then I, I find like on my forearm is sitting there and it, his hand was like right above my head. He's holding an empty plate. The plate used to have a giant slice of cake. So he thought it would be funny to sneak up on someone that he just met and throw a giant piece of cake in my face. And guess what I did, Carla? You blocked him. I blocked the cake. <laughs> Well, what's amazing about that story is I think it actually really connects, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but you had clearly built some muscle memory, right? You had built some muscle memory from your time, which is really the whole point of the scene in which Daniel is learning karate without knowing he's learning karate. Right, right. And he's literally building muscle memory by waxing on and waxing off or painting the fence or painting the house or sanding the floors. And, you know, he's so, he he does it for so long that when it actually comes to Miyagi throwing a a little punch at him, he's able to to block just like you did. You know, it was like ingrained in him. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely had a new appreciation for that. We've seen now, Daniel, he's been in a fight. He's, he's needing to go seek a way to defend himself. He actually has another um, sort of bad moment with the, with the bullies in which he's riding his bike and he gets pushed down a hill and, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. he keeps showing up at his house. His mom keeps seeing him with all this, these bloody eyes and head and he sort of brushes it off and says he's had bike accidents. He gets so angry. He throws his bike into the trash can and, you know, it's just so furious because he feels so unempowered and powerless against these bullies. And, you know, at school, it's a disaster because they kind of come after him there. He just can't find any success. He tries to out for the soccer team, but he gets into a skirmish with these guys and ends up punching a kid. And then of course gets kicked off of the team. 
So everything, everything is just a mess for him at this moment. And that throwing of the bike into the trash can is sort of seals the deal. He's really done. He's so mad. And then we see the bike come back. Uh, Mr. Miyagi fixes the bike. He goes down and that's really when their relationship really begins. You know, they start to, they start to connect. Um, They have this experience together, cutting bonsai trees. And uh, he says, I really need, you know, and he doesn't know yet that Miyagi is a a karate master, but they start to form a relationship. One of my favorite lines of the movie that I'd never really paid attention to happens in that, the bonsai trimming scene Mm -hmm. when Daniel asks him, how do I know if my picture's the right one? If come from inside you, always right one. Yes. That is so good. Like that, I can only <laughs> dream as an educator to say something like, so like accepting of someone, right? Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. But you know what? Before we go too much farther forward in the, the storyline, I actually disagree a little bit that nothing was going well because we actually see... Elizabeth Shue or Allie, right? Like Daniel's flirting with her and they're both flirting pretty hard. Allie with an I. Hey, what's your name? Daniel with an L. I'll see you later. I'm Bill with an L, you know? Yeah, I guess you're right. Like that that relationship surprised me because I felt like it really was like nothing works. And then it slowly ramps up and like, you know, yeah. exponentially at the end, like all the success. But really like with Allie, I feel like it was kind of this steady climb as we went along. Yeah, for the most part, I think you're right. And she sees something in him and her friends don't understand what she's seeing in him. And yet at the same time, she really, she really is attracted to him. She's attracted to him being different and that pretty much sustains over the course of the movie with just a little little blip in the middle. And Elizabeth Shue, she's just so darn stinking cute. Yeah. And, you know, she dropped out of Harvard to – not dropped out. She took a leave from Harvard um, to uh, to do this movie. And uh, she is uh, apparently – I think I, – I don't remember where I read this. But you know how he's sort of showing her soccer I actually think mm-hmm. she was actually in real life a real soccer legend. Like she might have even played. I don't know if she played at Harvard, but apparently she was a really skilled soccer player. Her brother actually played at Dartmouth, Andrew Shue. And I know people who played with him um, at Dartmouth. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And of course, he went on to be on Melrose Place and not nearly as successful as, as she was as, a, as an actor, but they were big soccer players. So there was something kind of funny nice. about the fact that Ralph Macchio's teaching her soccer at the beginning of that movie. <laughs> By the way, this movie was shot like 99% in order. It's so rare for movies to actually be shot yeah. as as they're written. Um, but that's just kind of the way it worked out. Um, and so now it's the Halloween dance. And we have, I think, one of the most iconic costumes ever <laughs> with nearly every single character, right? With Daniel as like the walking shower with Johnny in the Cobra Kai Karate Pals. Yeah, as, as the skeletons. The skeletons. They're like, they're all so iconic. Like, I think we even had bitmojis of like shower costumes for sure, the skeleton ones. Yeah, like it was so great. It was almost seeing like these icons like come to life in the movie, even though they obviously started kind of as the movie. Um, but, you know, even with the dance, Allie like opens up the shower curtain, they're dancing in there. I'm just like, what? 
Like they're totally getting along. I know. Um, but then in the bathroom, like, dude, Daniel, like, he was gutsy. He was gutsy, and he really like instigates a lot. He brought a lot of this on himself for totally. sure. You know, <laughs> actually works with the Cobra Kai, which is like Johnny is a is a victim here sometimes. Like <laughs> he really is. Yeah, yeah. You know, like of course, like somebody comes at you, you're gonna like react in a way. I don't know that they need to chase him down for you know a five minute chase and fight scene um but i can't blame him like i give daniel like you know mm. like a wag of the finger no like oh, not and, cool buddy and, and as he runs from the scene this part actually i was watching this movie with my with my 12 year old mm-hmm. as he's running from the scene he actually causes a car accident for sure and keeps going <laughs> and just keeps going like no care yeah. <laughs> piper goes what he just caused a car accident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so. and also, like, had he just stopped and asked those people if they were okay, I can't imagine Johnny and his friends are going to attack him with, like, an adult right there. If you're a teenager and, like, an adult gets out of the car, you're not going to beat somebody up, right? right. So he could have just been like, oh, my gosh, I caused a car accident. Are you okay? I should probably stay here and file a police report. Yeah. And by the way, I won't get attacked. But that's a far less exciting scene. <laughs> For sure. And instead, he he runs as fast as he can to home and almost makes it, right? He he basically yeah. makes it to the fence right outside of Miyagi's <laughs> room. And yeah. then they, they, they beat the heck out of him. And he's, he's really, I mean, Johnny could have really killed him, actually. There was a moment where yeah. they really have to call off, um, call off Johnny from furthering to beat him up, you know, further beating him up. And then, and then Miyagi shows up. Well, and when they shot that, um, they actually had to bring in, you know, again, we had the, uh, the, I keep wanting to say Jedi master. Maybe I'll just keep saying that the Jedi master, the karate master, um, that was consulting that actually, you know, had the broken English and had the students. And, um, it was actually the students and the karate master that were in that scene because like the stunt doubles or like the high school kids, they, they weren't getting the choreography right because they were actually like for reals punching each other enough so that it wasn't like a smooth poetic dance as, as like, you know, Hollywood fight scenes are. So there's like, you know, 20 takes in They're like, uh, can we just do this ourselves? They did. They got it in one take. Um, and that, that certainly, you know, kind of upped the, the credibility, I think, of Mr. Miyagi as a character and just, mm-hmm. you know, how extraordinary he was with karate. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so Daniel sort of in his haze of being sort of half conscious sees Miyagi doing this, but doesn't really fully yeah. make the connection yeah, yeah. until he wakes up and fully con- more con- fully conscious. And, and then suddenly he realizes that it was him who, that was Miyagi who had defeated all of these guys, six of them all at once. And uh, suddenly yeah. it's like, Oh wait, can you teach me a few things? <laughs> exactly. Right? right. And I think this is a great moment to talk about kind of one of the, the bigger themes of this movie Whereas, you know, Mr. Miyagi is kind of taking care of Daniel. I think it really hits on what teaching and learning is and the relationship between student and teacher or master and apprentice, you know, with the line that there is no such thing, uh, bad student, only bad teacher. Teacher say, student do. Right. That happens right right there. Um, I think that's such like a, a powerful moment to actually not make it about Johnny, but to make it about kind of the environment he's in. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, when they go and they watch the Cobra Kai dojo together 
And it's mm-hmm. very clear the kind of environment that John Kreese has created for his students. No mercy, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It, is, it is basically the goal is to take down your opponent and leave little space for any opportunity for the opponent to, to sort of survive the attack even if it means cheating. Right. Then very quickly, you know, we get the dojo visit with Mr. Miyagi. We're back at Cobra Kai. He's like, we're going to enter the tournament, leave the boy alone. And it is on, right? Like we know what is happening for the rest of the movie. And a reminder too, it is already, it has to be November 1st because we just had Halloween. Mm -hmm. And the tournament is, right? The tournament's in December. Sure. Yeah. So we're talking like six (laughs) weeks. Yeah. To go, oh from, <laughs> to go from this like inexperienced karate student to tournament winner. You got six weeks. We got to do it in six weeks. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and we're going to start by having you paint my fence. And you can understand why Daniel's a little anxious. <laughs> sure, about sure. This. Yeah. Like, let's get to it. You know, we got about a month. <laughs> right. But then again, like, it, it, we get hit just right again with Mr. Miyagi's home. You know, like at first I was like, does he live here? Like in the apartment? And that's just kind of his, you know, his place to work. His home is, you know, a beautiful place. And the home was completely contrived. Those like train tracks that they actually put in. There's like mm-hmm. an oil derrick maybe yeah, that, yeah. that they put in. They're like, I don't know what they were thinking with that, <laughs> but that house never really existed. Yeah. Um, but in that scene, I get two of my favorite scenes possibly of all time. Walk on the road. Hmm? Walk right side, safe. Walk left side, safe. Walk middle, sooner or later, get the squish, just like grip. Here, karate, same thing. Either you karate do yes, or karate do no. You karate do guess so, just like grip. Understand? Yeah, I understand. Now ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Like the level of care, you know? Like I I love the character Mr. Miyagi. Like the broken English on that, I don't know that that part ages well, but like so good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then he mm-hmm. calls it out. We're going to make a sacred pact. Let's make sacred pact. I promise teach karate that to my part. You promise learn. I say you do. No question. That to your part. Steal? Steal? Yes. First wash all the car. Then wax. Wax. Wait, why do I have to wash all the car? Remember, deal. No question. Yeah, but I... Wax on. Right hand, wax off, left hand, wax on, wax off, breathe, in through nose, out the mouth, wax on, wax off, don't forget to breathe, very important, wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. Hey, where these guys come from? Wax on, Detroit, wax off. He, he names it as a sacred pact, right? Mm -hmm. There's such power in that. 
It's interesting as I was, was watching this movie, I couldn't help but think once again this idea of school and the the Cobra yeah. Kai dojo kind of being the traditional sort of factory model school. Oh, interesting. Tell me more. Well, no, I mean it is. It's like we are going to produce. Yeah, yeah. We are going to produce this outcome. We're going to produce this kind of fighter. It's a very externally assessed. We're going to produce black belts, and this is what we're yeah. doing. And then I really saw. Like Mr. Miyagi, his dojo, quote unquote, becomes like mm-hmm. a, either like a real homeschool experience, uh-huh. right? Yeah, one yeah. teacher, one student, or or it was really like hands-on, project-based learning, right? I mean, yeah. all the stuff he's doing, you aren't really understanding exactly what it's all adding up to, but then it becomes really knowing skills and once again, really coming from inside and then being able to apply those skills to to the karate. So I just I, I just sort of saw that balance and it, it, that's just what yeah. came to me as I was watching the two different school experiences, the two different learning yeah. experiences. And even this idea of a black belt being kind of an assessment that's of, of where you are. Yep. Whereas for Miyagi, it's not a belt that's gonna tell you how you're doing. You've got to know it inside and you've got to be able to demonstrate your, your mastery. And that's yeah. where you are. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, yeah. And so much like even working in an independent school, you know, when people are like, well, yeah, but how are they going to like learn geometry? That feels like the, what belt are you? Next time someone asks like, you know, how, you know, all this fun stuff is great, but how do they learn how to write? Do they learn math? You know, what do they learn? My answer is going to be canvas. <laughs> And no one will know what I mean. But if you're there, you'll be like, yeah, I that's will. right. I canvas will know. <laughs> belt. That's what level belt I am. Yeah. Canvas. If yeah. it was in the 90s, it would have been a braided belt, by the way. <laughs> totally. You see this really pivotal scene where you finally learn a little bit more about Mr. Miyagi and his his story, which has been kind of a painful story. Uh, yeah. You know, losing his wife, fighting in the war, internment. So all sorts of really interesting facts about him. He's not had an easy life. He's not, he's had some real tragedy in his life. And there's a scene in which he's having a a birthday remembrance, I think for his wife and, and Daniel finds him very drunk and, you know, sad and just learns all this about him. And it sort of opens up, I think to Daniel that, you know, Miyagi has a whole life that he doesn't know anything about. And, and, yeah. And from him. what I, you know, that, that part with, uh, with drunk Miyagi is definitely towards the ends. We're, we're jumping around a little bit, which is totally fine. Um, but we see the man's in our newspaper. So I'm assuming right. that Mr. Miyagi and his wife were at Manzanar at the Japanese internment camp mm-hmm. that she likely died giving birth. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he ends up, you know, eventually they, they close Manzanar and he just has to live with that, that, you know, after fighting for his country, his wife and his child die in an internment camp in America. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. horrible. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm glad that they, they gave us that moment. The yeah. other storyline that is paralleling this is the relationship between Allie and Daniel. And so that becomes yeah. very pivotal too around this time um, in that their relationship continues to grow. Johnny's, sort of resentment of that relationship continues to grow and 
We yeah. also see the incredible socioeconomic divide between Daniel and Allie. And, and Johnny oh, and yeah. Allie are sort of peers socioeconomically. They belong to the same country club. We learn more about that in Cobra Kai, of course. But, um, mm-hmm. but, but uh, there's this really sort of horrible scene. It's my least favorite scene of the whole movie um, where Daniel is going to pick Elizabeth's shoe up. Her parents don't care for him. He's poor. He lives in Reseda. They don't really like her dating him. They would like her to be dating Johnny Lawrence. Clearly, they all, they're all family friends. She goes to pick, he goes to pick her up at the country club, and, and it becomes a real sort of nasty disaster and mess. <laughs> it does. It does. And even their very first date with his mom driving, and oh, the God. car won't start. <laughs> right? She has to yell and pop it. <laughs> yeah. Like, how mortifying is that? Allie's character is totally unfazed by that at all. She likes Daniel for who he is. And I think that becomes part of the challenge for him is that he doesn't have the confidence to just to 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 sort of accept that he questions that and he ends up really kind of making a fool of himself and really upsetting Allie. So we see that that relationship kind of get very strained. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, so let's try and get back maybe to the chronological view of this. You know, Daniel catches the fly on the first try, right? Maybe (laughs) foreshadowing him being the winner of the All-Valley Tournament. Yeah, because I think he says something like, Man who catch fly with chopstick accomplish anything. (laughs) Right, a little foreshadowing. Right, and then we get, you know, the paint the fence, and he's like, all right, fence is done. And then he shouts in the back, both sides. <laughs> and then Shoot. the paint the house. I forgot about paint the house. I remember the wax on and off. I remember paint the fence. I forgot yeah. both sides. I forgot paint the house left, right. Yeah. All right. And then we and then we have that moment with the muscle memory where Daniel just melts down like the whiny yeah. little baby that he is, right? Yeah. I learned plenty. I learned how to sand your decks, maybe. I wash your car, paint your house, paint your fence. I learned plenty. Daniel son. Daniel son. What? Come here. Show me Sandoflora. Sandoflora. Big soccer. Sandoflora. Sandoflora. Show me wax on, wax off. Show me paint the fence. Me side to side. Yes, 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 yes. Show me sand of floor. Hot, it down. He's got the muscle memory. He's learned through experience. It's great. He is. He's learning. We see Daniel on the ocean, which is likely a metaphor for like a rebirth. It's he's just playing in water, right? Anytime you see water, you get new life. And then we get Mr. Miyagi on the pillar, which is definitely like stereotypical karate. Um, You know, like the music's pretty cheesy, but like (laughs) you get a pretty cool silhouette of like Pat Morita up on a pillar. Yeah. doing you know the, the different katas <laughs> yeah absolutely and he 
you know, you, you really do get this idea and this sense that this is much more about, uh, it's much more of a life skill. It's about balance. Yeah. It's about, you know, passing this learning down from generation to generation. You know, he learns everything he learns from his father. He's now passing it on to Daniel's son, son, not son, but, yeah. um, but really in the same way, you know, trying to pass those, that, that learning on to someone and uh, he does yeah. indeed. So, well, and that's one interesting part about Cobra Kai is that Daniel kind of hits like basically a midlife crisis, right? He went from like the poor kid from Jersey living in Reseda to now he owns you know high end cars, which is also super cheesy, by the way. <laughs> oh, you know, I learned sure. I learned the value of a car, and I you know I waxed a lot of cars that one month. <laughs> And now he owns, you know, this is a passion of car sales. I mean, William Zabka and Ralph Macchio are are all, and Martin Cove are all good friends in real life. Obviously, Mm -hmm. they had to have been to do this recreation of Cobra Kai. But can't you just picture them sitting down with and and sort of like coming up with some of this stuff? Like, yeah, let's, yeah, let's make Daniel a car salesman. Let's let's do that. Like, obviously, that's what he's become. Yeah. Like, what, what, what does Daniel do? Obviously. I know, he's a car salesman. <laughs> you can just really see that. Well, so this feels like the perfect time to kick it over to our interview. We have Jesse Lipinski, an EdTech friend. Um, I remember seeing a photo of him at a Comic-Con with Ralph Macchio, William Zabka, and Martin Cove. Dude, the photo. Commenting on it, and he was like, there's a story there. So we're going to jump into this. Jesse's going to be on our B-side for our next episode. You'll hear the full interview with him, but we just have to hear the story about this epic selfie with Jesse and the people from Karate Kid. Incredibly happy to be here. I have a lot to say about the Karate Kid. I have a lot to say about everything, but in particular, (laughs) the Karate Kid. Absolutely. So before we jump into too much, who are you? Sure. So my name is Jesse Lubinsky. I mean, does anyone actually ever know who they really are? But um, no, you know, no. Who, who well, I, I, I pre- meant existentially. Who yeah. are you? Who I present as to the public is I'm the chief learning officer for Ready Learner One. I've been in education for nearly 20 years, um, and I recently published two books: one on augmented and virtual reality in education, and the other one on esports and education. There's a picture of you with William Zabka, with Ralph Macchio, and Martin Cove. You, you and I were talking about this before. So every year, um, oh man, not the last couple of years, obviously because of COVID, but uh, New York Comic Con is obviously pales in comparison to San Diego Comic Con. But one of the cool things about New York Comic Con is they actually have educator days where they will give four day passes to educators at a discounted price to be able to go and you know um, walk around and uh, go to some of the educational sessions. But also my favorite thing at Comic-Con has always been the photo ops to take pictures with some of the you know famous people we love in movies and stuff like that. One year I saw posted right before Comic-Con that they were going to have Ralph Baccio, Billy Zabka and uh, Martin Cove there. And you could do the photos either individually or all together. And I was like, okay, clearly I have to do all of them together. But really the only one I, I wanted was Billy Zabka. That, for, this is pre-Cobra Kai. This is like 2014. But all I cared about was getting a picture of Billy Zabka, who one of the all time great runs in the 1980s of of teen villainy between Karate Kid, Back to School, just one of the guys. I mean, just could not think of the more quintessential kind of bad guy, 80s hair, the whole thing. 
love Johnny. So I go to take the picture with him. And when you take these pictures, you have like 10 seconds. It, it looks like in the photo, like you guys are hanging out all day, but really it's like you walk yeah, up, yeah. snap the picture, whatever. And the way they had the setup was they wanted you to stand in between Ralph Macchio and Martin Cove. And I was wearing my shirt that said strike first, strike hard, no mercy. And I was kind of wedging my way in. And I kind of walked right over to Billy and I was like, I'm going to, I want to yeah. take a picture. I want to stay next to Billy. And I like kind of put my arm around him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and in the picture, you could see like Ralph Macchio refused to adjust himself for the photo. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's like back to you. <laughs> back. Yeah, yeah. So he like left his back turned to me because I I just kind of wedged myself in between him and him and, him and Billy. And you can see me and Billy have like the biggest smiles on our face, and Ralph Macchio just looks all confused, and his back is to me in in the whole thing. But uh, yeah, man, that was uh, that was. How do you not just turn your body as a human? That's a good question. I, I don't know if Mr. Miyagi actually went over that as part of the what you do. In oh, that's true. We so never that was did not one twist. of the lessons, right? It, it was never all, did it was, twist the rest. Yeah. Right. It was all about using yeah. the hands. It was wax on, mm-hmm. wax off. Mm-hmm. It was paint the fence, yeah. but there was never this lateral movement of turning your whole body. So I think that yeah. that's where he got in a little trouble. Oh God, that's so obvious now. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and and I think it's even showing in Cobra Kai, you know, his students aren't really practicing that as well either. No, so no. it's, and you know, no spoilers, but uh, you know, some of his students have gotten themselves into some trouble. And I'm wondering if that lateral body movement would have actually uh, made a difference there. Yeah, I wonder what that would have been. Like, I, I feel like maybe pull like an audio cable or something or like, <laughs> like, like, lawnmower, know, like start nautical. Lawnmower, yeah, something. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah, like a yeah. rowing kind of motion. Thoughts on Karate Kid as a movie about school, as a movie about like mentorship, apprenticeship. I'm assuming you love it. Oh, so. Karate Kid, one of my all-time favorites. And in fact, you know, we um, on partial credit, we do a segment that is not dissimilar to what you do on the podcast, but we we, ch- we try to tie everything into education and pop culture. But we do segments like if you were going to draft a school using characters from 80s movies, what would that be? You pick an admin, two <laughs> teachers, and then a flex of your choice. And so we recently had this debate on our podcast because Mr. Miyagi was drafted as, a, as an admin and not a teacher. And th- that led oh, to some debate God. over... Well, what makes us think he would actually run a school well versus, you know, as a teacher, which where he was obviously successful, which led us to that whole conversation of not all good teachers make good admins and and back and forth. Karate Kid is interesting in a lot of ways because Daniel, you know, is obviously the new kid in town. I think, you know, a lot of students can relate to that, trying to find their place um, within school. But, you know, there is also that other narrative of, you know, Daniel might have been the bad guy all along, right? Daniel. Oh yeah. Tell me more. Tell me, I started so, to hint at this in yeah, the episode, there, there, and Carla was not having it. This was yeah. This was brought up actually on How I Met Your Mother, where Billy Zabka was positioned as a good guy, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> Daniel is the is the kid from out of town who all of a sudden comes and tries to take this guy's girlfriend, and, and he does, and is completely <laughs> successfully. Thinking back to when I first saw it, though, for me it was always a story about just conquering your fears and, and confronting some of those things that are hard, working hard for the things you really believe in. I know that there were a lot of times during during the course of that first movie where um, it seemed like Daniel could just easily pack it in and give up, and you know he persevered. As far as the school goes, we don't get as much of the school stuff in Karate Kid as I think we get in some of these other 80, 80s movies. Sure, sure, we get more of the school environment, but um. It, it, it's one of those things that just makes me not miss being in high school, like having, having to deal with the social politics mm-hmm. of high school. Uh, very tricky stuff there. I think the only time we actually hear adults in the Karate Kid at the high school 
is when he gets kicked out of tryouts for soccer. That might be the only adult moment. Which, which is realistically, not a great he did not yeah. even provoke that, but somehow he gets thrown out of the, the tryouts. Right. That's one right. for Daniel. I feel like that was unfair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he still, you know, like, attacked the guy. He, he'd let it go. You know, the other guy might have gotten kicked out, but he definitely goes for it. I'm the new kid. I'm going to fight. And get kicked out for fighting. Uh, well, Jesse, it has been a pleasure. Thanks for hopping on the yeah, show. It was great coming on. Thanks. You know, so I think this brings us pretty close to the, the closing yeah. scene. Yes. Right? The tournament at the end, which is what, like two months later? <laughs> yeah, it's got to be like six weeks. I mean, literally, it's got to be November 1st from when they start training to whatever the actual day of the of the tournament is. <laughs> so we get the, the rerun of the belt joke, which I love again. What belt are you? Why am I Open division is only for brown belt or above. Oh yeah, uh, boy, uh, black belt. Okay. Tsumiyagi just legit like steals a belt. <laughs> yeah, he's like <laughs> so hands it to belt, this belt. Here you go. Here's a black belt. Hands it to Allie. You Here, know? give this to him. Yeah. <laughs> and then arguably the best song of the '80s. You're the best. So Joe Esposito. Right. That's so good. Yeah. So good. <laughs> The director of Cobra Kai had worked on Rocky, and so I think right. I think I, I think that this song might have originally been written for a Rocky movie, and then it got picked up you're by, right. by you're Karate right. Kid. You're right. so the tournament, as you as you mentioned, is not as long as as I maybe we all thought it was, and it really is kind of the last few minutes of the of the movie, and you start to learn the rules and and how the points are scored, which I think is helpful. He starts off kind of rocky. He doesn't get what he's supposed to be doing, but then catches on and he one at a time defeats Cobra Kai uh, fighters and and some other fighters. And then there's sort of these two, there's this match between Johnny Lawrence and then one other, clearly like a defending champion or something like that. Yeah, Johnny knocks him out. And then of course it's left at the very end with just, Johnny and Daniel. Yeah. And you get the sweep the leg. You get that part where like he puts his hands together and rubs it and rubs his leg. I mean, would you say like this might be like top three most iconic moments in movie history with the crane kick? Sure. Like that one scene, just like I would imagine everyone that has seen that movie or is alive in the 80s has seen that moment and can, whether or not it's accurate or not, can like visualize that moment. Absolutely. And it actually becomes sort of controversial in Cobra Kai, whether or not that kick was actually legit, (laughs) whether it followed the rules or not. And I think that's a great, that's sort of a great story. I think we also really see on display, once again, the difference between Kreese's philosophy and Miyagi's philosophy, right? I mean, Kreese Mm. actually has one of his students intentionally maim Daniel. Anything to win. Right. Anything to win. He did not want Daniel winning the tournament. He wanted Johnny to have the opportunity to win. So he was going to take out Daniel. He had his student who says, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to be disqualified. He basically says, you're going to do it. So he goes into that last match, almost doesn't go into the last match. He's totally wounded. Miyagi saves him with his, his famous rubbing of his hands and 
gets him back squared away to at least be able to fight in the match. And he's really injured. And then, then Johnny sweeps his leg and, and hurts him further. Sweep the leg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sweep the leg, Johnny. <laughs> but also like, where was his mom? Where was his mom? Where were like the medics, the referee, Mr. Miyagi to be like, dude, you're like a high school kid that's clearly injured. You're just, you're done. Like someone <laughs> should have called it or we wouldn't have gotten to one of the best moments in, you know, all of movie history, but <laughs> someone should have called it. Like realistically, there were some irresponsible adults in that room for sure. Probably. I'm glad they were, but yeah. Yeah. Well, it was also the eighties. Yeah. People didn't worry about that stuff as much. Now they do. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so he goes in okay. and yeah, there is this moment and he, he, He's injured and he's just going to wait for Johnny to come to him. And in a great moment of defense, he does the crane. And then it just pans to Mr. Miyagi, right? And it ends mm. with his face. Yeah. I love that. That was the best part. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to end it. So let's jump love to it. our rewind. Oh my gosh. What have you got for me? You have a few things, right? Well, I have I have a couple of rewinds. I mean, the first one really is the time frame. Like it actually really bothered me. I didn't understand why the writers decided that it was going to be a six-week journey for, even if they had just extended the time in principle, it just was, it did not work for me that someone was going to be able to get to that level in six weeks. Having watched my own child do Taekwondo long ago, mm-hmm. like it mm-hmm. is like a lot of work and a lot of discipline. And I think that really didn't work for me. <laughs> I know you've got okay. one more there, right? <laughs> my second one was the scene in the country club. I cannot understand why any any casting person any costume director would let Daniel LaRusso walk out of the house wearing that awful outfit. He's wearing like white pants and a white shirt and this red jacket. And he just looks like nobody should ever, I I, I was, I liked fashion in the eighties. That was abominable. Uh, Elizabeth Shue would have taken one look at him and been like, you need to go home and change. No, that that is completely accurate. It did work with him having a whole thing of spaghetti poured on top of him. You know, if you're wearing that all white, it's like adding insult to injury. But I mean, that outfit was hideous. (laughs) I think it was just really to set up the spaghetti spilling. (laughs) Okay, but wait, wait. So tell me your rewind. You didn't tell me. My rewind, and I think I want it to be a rewind, despite deeply loving Mr. Miyagi as a character, I really think like the broken English led Mm. to decades of kids quoting and like a super like stereotypical, you know, broken English voice. Yeah. I don't know. Like I have such a hard time like imagining the movie without that because like it's there's such like an authenticity to Mr. Miyagi. And I, I worry that if he just talked like Pat Morita does like this, he's just like, hey, I'm Pat Morita. I'm a dude that lives in California. Um, that it wouldn't have felt as magical. So like, Mm -hmm. I worry about kind of messing with it, but also know that like, I used to do Karate Kid quotes all the time. And it was like, without knowing it was incredibly racist. It was also a movie quote, but it was also like, you know, like I I, I worry about that. I I wish they could have done better in some way, but also, I also love Mr. Miyagi. Like Pat Marina did such a great job with that character. So 
Well, there's sort of like the authenticity of an immigrant experience, right? I mean, right. he is right. supposed right. to be an immigrant, right? So Pat Morita, American-born, yeah. was playing an immigrant from another country, sure. so had sure. to have a realistic accent. Um, at the same time, yeah, I mean, those those quotations have sort of been sort of taken by white people and repeated. And um, so you have to kind of wonder a little bit about that. But I, I, I think it's different than like a character like Long Duck Dong in 16 Candles. Sure, it's a real sure. difference. There's a yeah. difference there. I mean, yeah. I think I think Mr. Miyagi's character was meant to be a hero and was played that yeah. way by Pat Morita yes, rather yeah. than kind of a clown. Yeah. Like Landa Dong, yes. you know, it was, it was yeah. definitely no, his, different. His accent and, and his heritage was never a punchline, which I no. appreciated. No, no. Yeah. It sort of sometimes became a little bit of a punchline for people sure. as they talked about the movie. And, you know, the movie itself didn't take itself too seriously. It was, sure. once sure. again, had some com- comedic elements to it, for sure. Yeah. So, but yeah. yeah. Well, Carla, oh my gosh. done it, The Karate Kid. All right. Well, hey, well, what's next? Up next, we have... Be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes! It is time, Carla. It is time for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It's good. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Till next time. We'll be time traveling. Mm-hmm.